I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Fifteenth February, two thousand seven. Grace Kelly by Mika was top of the charts. Cinema goers around the world were introduced to Eddie Murphy's Norbit for the first time. The UK turkey industry was all a chatter about bird flu. But in an elite resort in Portugal, the only thing that was flying that night was scandal. Take That's Beautiful World may have been one of the best-selling albums at the time, but for Liverpool FC that night, the world was anything but beautiful. No, instead, it was a world filled with booze, bad karaoke busted Norwegian wingbacks and a peroxide blonde firecracker wielding a golf club. This was an incident which would overshadow all of football for the next 10, 15, probably 100 years. One which, seemingly as part of a contract, has to be referenced in the autobiography of every single Liverpool player between 2003 and 2010. This was the time that Craig Bellamy hit a sleeping John Arnerisa with a seven iron in front of a gawking Steve Finnan. As part of our work on the Football Book Club, we've heard this story many times. Like it or not, we're now inexplicably experts in obscure footballers' autobiographies, from Yertsy Dudek to Jermaine Pennant to Steven Gerrard. I read these accounts, I made stupidly detailed notes on them. I looked for childish innuendos for our out-of-context section. I moved on. But when we read Craig Bellamy's autobiography last year, something changed. The story was different. There were inconsistencies. The timeline of that famous night seemed confused. Stories seemed to shift. It gnawed away at me, nibbling at me, like an overeager Welsh forward. There was only one thing for it. We had read the alleged perpetrator's account. It was time for the alleged victim, John Arnorisa. I have read his version of events, and today I will present my findings. Will we find out what really happened in Vale de Lobo that night? Was it blown out of proportion? Who was really to blame? Who do we believe? Did it bring the Liverpool team together or tear them apart? Today, we attempt to get closure. Today, we attempt to get justice. I'm Jack Bernhardt, and this is Golf Clubs in the Night, a football book club investigation into Vale de Lobo. I'm joined by the rest of the Football Book Club team, uh, James Balgen, Tash Frisco, and friend of the show, James Bug. How dare you? <laughs> Hi, guys. It's, uh, it's, it's really good to talk to you, uh, actually, about this. Um, 
I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you guys are as, as excited about this as I am. Uh, we're really going to get to the bottom of what happened in Vale de Lobo that night. Um, now, each one of you uh, has reread a different account of what happened that day, uh, apart from James Balgen, who has read two, because one of his was Jermaine Pennant, and we can't trust a word he says. <laughs> so, so if you guys just want to quickly go through, um, uh, Tash, which one have you read of the account? I have read My Darling Jersey. Um, Mm. The first book that I ever read in Football Book Club, so one that I hold very dear to my heart. Um, And I look forward to clearing his name this evening. Uh, James Balgen, who have you read? I read um, Captain Liverpool Stephen Gerrard's account of the incident and the liar Jermaine Penn. And and, uh, and welcome to the show, James. Yeah, can I go uh, really ask, good what, to have what you the here. hell? What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? <laughs> welcome, James. We're doing a special investigation. Uh, this football book club. We read every week. We read. A, I get the show. I get the show. I made it. But is this a coup? Is this a coup of some sort? <laughs> no, we're we're just trying to get justice for ju- for for Craig potentially for okay. John Arisa. Okay. Um, okay. It's an exciting time. Okay. Get on board with it. You seen serious? I I I I actually haven't. But now, I, I'm all in. I'm all in for this because this is a case that I'm passionate about. So, so okay. I, I'm down. Whose book have you read, uh, James? I have read a book which you read with uh, the lovely Steph Guerrero last year. I've read Craig Bellamy's Goodfella. Good, good. Now, guys, are we ready to reopen these wounds? Yes. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I think it sounds like we're in capable hands. I feel like you're... Wow. Okay. <laughs> In, I've never I, I've felt re- in such capable hands on a podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that's okay, so kind. Okay, okay, okay. Let's, uh, keep, let's, keep that, <laughs> let's keep that to a minimum. Let's keep that to a minimum. No, I feel like we've waited too long for justice here. It's time. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I feel mm-hmm. like we've been, you know, because when I first, when we read the Bellamy book, I noticed a few things and they sort of really did uh, bug me. Um, but, you know, he, the human mind's He's, quite a funny he, thing. Was that was that a personal use of bug? Again, he's trying to undermine no, me. No, Subtly trying to <laughs> destroy me. Not everything is about you, James, okay? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, okay. but um but before we before we get into it detail because what we're going to do today, as I said, is we're going to try and establish the timeline of what happened. We're going to try and talk about um the motivations for what happened. Uh-huh. Uh you know, try and work out, you know, like all crimes really, motivation um and there are two others, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, we're going to try and work out exactly what happened with the attack. We're going to look at some of the principal players around the two perpetrator and the victim. Um, but before we get into all of that, um, what are your guys' memories of this event? You know, when it happened, and also when we read about it in the in the books. What what day was it, Jack? Exactly. You just say uh, at the top, but just to remind us, it was the fifteenth of February, two thousand seven. Uh, where were you on that day, James? On that day, exactly. On that day, exactly. I don't know. Take <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I would have that's been... suspicious. Okay. <laughs> Wait, are, you, are you saying that I might have hit John Arisa with a golf club? <laughs> Were you I, in Vale de Lobo at I the did time? Work at you pi- can't say for certain. I did work at a pitching part at the time. So I would have had oh. access to it. But it would have been in Essex. Mm. That is what, it would have been, I would have been in Chelmsford. It would have been, been in Missoula. <laughs> I, oh, <didn't>, yeah. <laughs> I don't think... One, Missoula wasn't even called Missoula then. And two, I was, oh. I was, I was, I was, I was what, 17? Yeah. I can't remember how old I was. Seventeen at the time. I would have been in sixth form uh, at school. I remember you. When you mentioned Mika Grace Kelly, that rang a bell because, and this isn't meant for me to sound like, um, like, oh, I couldn't have been doing this because I'm a great guy. But I was volunteering for a charity that week. 
Oh, he had that a one in the bag, charity didn't he? In Chelmsford, so um, yeah, I was taking them on little trips to South End, things like that. A, me- really? a mega bowl, Chelmsford, yeah. So remember, and Grace Kelly was playing quite a lot. I remember Grace Kelly being on the radio a lot, and the Fratellis. I remember the Fratellis being on a lot that time as well. So that's true. That I, I could have been there. Could have been taking some kids to South End, uh, Peter Pan's playground. Oh, you're going to make called. me sound terrible. Then. What were you doing? Attacking kids? I had a look. <laughs> what I was doing on this day and I was drawing a V on my hand in eyeliner to sneak into varsity to drink one pound quad vods. Wow. Um, age 16. Yeah. It, so there's quite a nice picture of me with an eyeliner on my hand looking very smug it, with a blue drink sticking out of my mouth. Is varsity Stokes um, equivalent to Missoula? <laughs> Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. Wow, it sounds great. <laughs> so I am clear. You Crystal. are clear. Yes. You, no one would willingly admit to being in varsity unless they were, <laughs> exactly. were there. <laughs> uh, James Balgen, do you have a memory of, of what you were doing? Or do you have a memory of, of hearing about the incident? As the as the resident Liverpool mm. fan, you must have surely heard about the I incident. I remember the incident well. I've, I've discussed it on one of our podcasts before. I can't remember whose book it was, where I predicted that he would do that celebration but i was yep. didn't bet on it and i should have and i knew he was going to do it i mean footballs are predictable aren't they but um i remember it very well i remember it very very well remember that era of liverpool very well so that was i don't know where i was though just chilling probably <laughs> i think <laughs> i was at uni can anyone corroborate the story seven were you uni in 2007 no i hadn't, sta- no, no, I hadn't started then. that would mean the september 2007 yes yeah. so i don't know just chilling just cruising around. That's a pretty good alibi, chilling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got us. He was chilling. <laughs> Jack, can I ask a question? Uh-huh. Has anyone ever assumed that there were, um, you know, that this wasn't, we haven't been told the full story of Velda Lobo yet? Is this, because it seems like to me that everyone kind of already knew the account, but are you the first person to kind of blow this open and say that there's more to this story than meets the eye? Well, I have no idea. <laughs> I've done limited amounts of research, and if it turns out that another podcast, let's say not the top 20, or, um, I don't know, the Football Ramble has already done this, I will be so, so angry. Wasn't it in a series of Serial? <laughs> Didn't they do it on a... Didn't they do Valor de Lobo on? <laughs> <laughs> It was, Series 3. The one three. after Ad- Adman, this. yeah, they did this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ah, we've run out of ideas. This one. <laughs> I what? I just finished Sweet Bobby last week. Have any of you listened to Sweet Bobby? No. That's the new like the new trendy cereal. And once they get a whiff of this, they're gonna be all over. Sweet it. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Bobby Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sweet Ooh, Bobby. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, so so we could, we should go through what the facts are because I think that you know that there are certain things that can't be argued with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can argue with the order in which they happened, and you can order. Uh, you can argue about the severity of them. Sure, uh, but you can't really argue around the actual event itself. So Thursday, fifteenth of February, two thousand seven, uh, members of the Liverpool first team are staying in Barrington Golf and Spa, a hotel which no longer has a, tri- a Trivago rating, and I believe closed down in twenty fifteen. Uh, for five days in Velde Lobo, uh, Portugal, in the Algarve. That's the name uh, of a Portuguese hotel? Yes, and I think that is a very telling name of the Portuguese hotel. Right, yeah. It is, it is very much expat. catered to the expat mm. and the, uh, the Englishman abroad, or the Welshman abroad, wielding a golf club. Uh, <laughs> so they are, they are here for five days ahead of their match with Barcelona on Wednesday the 21st of February. 
We know that training was going quite well and that Rafa Benitez had given his players uh, a day off, uh, or rather had given them the night off. Uh, so before the night, we know that a curfew of midnight is set by Rafa Benitez. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe this is talked about in Stephen Gerrard's book. Is that right, James Bowden? Yes, G- Gerrard's quite quite vague with the account. He plays it down. But yeah, he does play. He plays the actual. Details. He seems to be more interested in Rafa Benitez's mm-hmm. uh, obsession with the with the curfew. He says that that's the thing that Benitez was properly irritated mm-hmm. by. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it comes up in Bellamy's book as well, actually. From having the read curfew. It. The, well, not so much the curfew, but they they're very clear um, that there was it was all about work, no going out, none of that. We're going to be allowed one game of golf, and that was it. That's all they said. They say it is very, 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 very strict. I think the golf. So potentially, that's telling. all Craig Bellin was trying to do was get in another game of golf. He just misinterpreted the golf green. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as Jersey was aware, not it, there was no curfew. He doesn't mention it once. That, Does he not? That, that, ex- no. that explains a lot about what happened to that Jersey. That explains a lot about Jersey's yeah. account, I will say. <laughs> yeah. See, Stevie, Stevie que- uh, keeps talking about, as the captain, he should have been keeping his eye on the time. Mm, so exactly. he's quite, he talks about the curfew quite a bit. He's got guilt so, towards it. Guilt. Is he? Because he feel mm. guilty for how it, how it went. I don't know. Well, he he tries to spin it as, oh, it was used as motivation in the end, and that's what got us through. So he tries to put a positive spin on it. Okay, okay. So we know that from around 7pm, I think that's when Stephen Jarrett says, to midnight, uh, the players are booked in uh, for into a private room at a place called Monty's. Uh, I actually have a... Uh, a little um, review of Monty's, uh, which I've had recorded by a uh, professional actor, uh, Tom Crowley, which I'm just going to get up here now, uh, just to give you an idea of what Monty's is like. And this is a different bar to... They were at John Aldridge's bar in something. That's a different event, isn't it? That's a different event. I don't think they're in... Uh, I don't know if that is Vale de Lobo. Yeah, I think it's, probably, I think it's in Liverpool. Bar. I think it is in Liverpool. I think it's in Liverpool somewhere, somewhere else. There, I think yeah. it'd be, in a way, quite weird if John Aldridge had a bar in Vale de Lobo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Monty's is, I think this, this gives a slight idea of what Monty's is like, okay. um, thanks to an unknown uh, review that I found. Ah, Monty's. I've been going for over 15 years and love the place. I regard it as a spiritual home and have spent many late nights there putting the world to rights with various friends. While the food, service and ambience have always been excellent, what has really made it for me was the karaoke, which was the best I've ever experienced under the expert management of Joe Ramos. There used to be karaoke at least four times a week, but this has recently changed to once a week, with more emphasis on disco and live music. I think this is a pity, and would ask Ian and Sid very respectfully to reconsider and at least put karaoke back on Thursdays as well as Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Ramos. (laughs) <laughs> Joe Ramos is the man who deals with karaoke. Now, what's interesting about that is the reviewer uh, is annoyed that they've moved the karaoke from Thursdays. Now, why did they move the karaoke from Thursdays? Mm. Perhaps over what happened tonight on Thursday, the 15th, 2007. That also explains the stamp on my hand. Student night. Oh, it's a Thursday. <laughs> I'm glad we solved that mystery too. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, you're right. There we go. Student, oh, thank God. Student night in Stoke and Vale de Lobo. They coordinate. <laughs> yeah. It's student night. It, look, it's student night somewhere in the world. Yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> well, that review kind of 
doesn't tie up with how Jersey describes it. He says that they Rafa allowed them to go to a nice restaurant for dinner. So does that, you know, hit, hit, although we have previously established his view of restaurants is quite warped. So I guess maybe it doesn't tell us that much. Yeah, does Joe Ramos do toasties is what you think he do, like... <laughs> So Monty's does do food. That's interesting. I actually Monty's does do food. I had assumed they'd had food here. Maybe potentially they'd gone somewhere else first and then moved on to Monty's. We also have to assume that Yertsy Dudek uh, probably still has concussion from that time he headbutted a, uh, a train <laughs> window or whatever it was. <laughs> Everything Yertsy Dudek says is is always tinged with a slight, mm, yeah. is, that, is that you or is that the train <laughs> talking? <Yeah. laughs> Didn't he get a brick thrown at his head as well as a kid? He did, yeah. And I'm he, still and not was... convinced there's cuttlefish in uh, in Poland. Was it cuttlefish? <laughs> yeah, he was fishing for like something mad. Yeah, king prawns and stuff or something in a in a radioactive <laughs> yeah. wasteland or something, wasn't it? I <laughs> Guys, our, spe- our second investigation can be on whether there are cuttlefish in Poland. <laughs> okay, for the time being, we need to focus on sorry what happened that night. So between 7 p.m. and midnight, several team members perform karaoke. Before midnight. A high-profile disagreement between John Anarisa and Craig Bellamy takes place. After this, John Anarisa leaves with Sammy Hippia no later than half midnight. Craig Bellamy stays out and drinks. By midnight, the team leaves the bar and Yertsy Dudek gets into a fight with a security guard. Perhaps this is linked, we don't know. 2.45, Craig Bellamy goes with Steve Fennan into John Anarisa's apartment with a golf club. 3am, Craig Bellamy and Steve Finnan leave again, goes back into his apartment where he parties with several Liverpool players. At 3am, Yertsy Dudek is arrested. Between 3 and 4am, John Anarisa calls the doctor, Rafa Benitez is woken up by the news that Yertsy Dudek has been arrested and that John Anarisa has called the doctor. After 4am, Rafa Benitez calls a meeting in Craig Bellamy's lounge. And at 4.15, Benitez has a go at Jermaine Pennant for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> These are the facts as we know them. <laughs> That's interesting. Risa calling a doctor. I don't remember hearing that before. Well, mm. this is what I was going to say. John Anarisa has, I, as, as we are going to reveal today, I have read John Anarisa's book and I have a lot Ooh. of, well, potentially contradictory information mm. to what we know about Craig Bellamy. You've gone straight to the horse's mouth. Well, let's start. Let's let's go back a bit then and talk about this, the motivation. Just give me a new record for the amount of times you say "well." <laughs> well, I, look, if I'm well in control, on. I say "well" a lot. <laughs> well, 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 well. I I started this episode thinking I was going to be like you know fully team Jersey. I've just reread the book. I think he's innocent in all of this. But having just heard your synopsis of it, the first sentence of this chapter in his book is. Rafa wanted us to integrate as a team, and I must admit, this trip went very well. Did it? Well. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. Did that was the really? first line of the chapter. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> I, think, I think you can describe this trip as going many things. Very well is not yeah, one of them. very well is not anyway. You can say, despite what happened, the consequences were good. Generated a lot yeah. of press, a lot of content. That's pretty yeah. true. <laughs> and there's no such thing as bad <laughs> no, press. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. So... Why did the fight break out over the karaoke? We the players are doing karaoke. Um, now we'll start off with Jermaine Pennant because we can discount him almost immediately. Uh, James Balgen, uh, can you go over how how he says the fight broke out? So to summarise, Pennant says that a few of the lads were up and Larry, including Stevie and Kara, which Stevie later plays down, and that everyone was trying to get 
Bellamy up to do a song. And a few of them were like, come on, Bellas, come on, come and do a song. And he was like, no, 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 I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. But then Risa kept at it and he kept pro- pushing him. And as Pennant says, egging him on to get up. And Bellamy was getting more and more annoyed by it. And Risa kept pushing him. So he didn't end up doing it, but he seemed to take issue with Risa carrying on and f- trying to force him to do Whoa. it. Now, as we all know, this is entirely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> in every other account, it is. And also, by by the logic of the fact that of the two different personalities of Craig Bellamy and John Arisa, it is Craig Bellamy telling John Arisa that he has to get up and do the song. Yeah, because we know Craig Bellamy likes uh, to sing. He sang, exactly. he sang You're Gorgeous to a, a not particularly gorgeous reserve goalkeeper at John Aldridge's bar once. Exactly. That's, I think we discussed that on the podcast, right? <laughs> I yeah, think we, we did. did. Yeah, we did. He, yeah. was, he was quite mean about that, that third reserve goalkeeper yeah, in a way yeah. that I thought was unnecessary. Yeah, really. I agree. So again, yeah. fitting of the character. He, he would, you know, keep going. You've got to get up there and sing, John. Well, so we can, we've, we, as we, oh, I'm so sorry. I said well again. <laughs> God. I'm a well machine. Awful. <laughs> I've tried very desperately not to say well again. Um, according to, uh, John Anarisa. By the way, John Anarisa says uh, that they had uh, food at Monty's. Uh, he said mm. they served good fish and chips, we were told, but I preferred steak, which I think is psychotic. You don't go to a, a place by the, the coast and have yeah, steak. I totally agree. Absolutely not. Oh, is, is it a good book, Jack? Reese's book? Um, so, I would say a, a lot of it is good, by which I mean a lot of what I've read is good, by which I mean I've read uh maybe two or three chapters right okay perfect the, the, the relevant chapters <laughs> okay okay uh for what is i mean okay so i've read this chapter and also a chapter where john Anarisa uh, asks chloe kardashian for an autograph <laughs> amazing we can discuss that in the, he, um, in the bonus chapter later i think we will definitely <laughs> it's very funny um, does it, it, it so, would you say from what you've read so far that john Anarisa is a reliable narrator throughout i think so i think risa has a certain there's a certain uh authority of voice is what i'll say okay. that i seem to believe quite well okay um so he says that a couple of the lads started drinking before the food arrives among them was craig bellamy pretty soon a microphone appeared on the table and bellamy bellowed into it reese is gonna sing reese is gonna sing he started before the food was served and continued while we ate which is inherently hilarious um <laughs> he was already quite junk and i was already quite annoyed he continues to say after we'd eaten we joined the other guests there were not enough seats for everyone so some of us had to stand pretty soon bellamy was over by the karaoke machine with the microphone in his hand reese is gonna sing next on stage is reese reese is gonna sing god what an annoying guy furious he is quite annoying <laughs> well I, yeah <laughs> he doesn't say well to enough, yeah. <laughs> too many times hey. that's true <laughs> uh furious i went over to him i'm not singing shut the fuck up or else i'm gonna smash you he screamed back <laughs> Oh, can I say the C word in this? Ooh. <laughs> Have we said that? I think we said, I, I might beep it out. I'll see how I feel on the day. Try it. We'll okay. <laughs> he screamed back. I'm going to fucking kill you, you ginger. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. So that is Reese's account. But what's interesting, why is Craig Bellamy so sure that John and Reese is going to sing? Mm. Tash, I believe you might have the answer in Jersey Dudek's book. So Jersey's account of this is a bit more pg luckily 
Um, but he says, Rafa allowed us to go to a restaurant for dinner. The new players had to do karaoke as an initiation ceremony with the rest of us judging them, so the wine was flowing, you know. Sure. Craig got into an argument with Ginge. Craig has got a fiery temperament. He's not afraid to say what he really thinks. And because Risa had missed a previous party, mm. the lads decided his punishment was to do karaoke. Which, so, crucially... Which Bellamy says in his book as well. Exactly. So both Bellamy and uh, Dudek have got it into their head. And in fact, I think Bellamy goes into slightly more detail. Bellamy says that they had had this mock trial for uh, <laughs> for John Anarisa because he had uh, he had said that he was going. He, he he said that there was a Christmas party that they wanted to go to. Christmas party two thousand six. They were going to go to, um, and John Anarisa said he was going to go, but then pulled out uh, and claimed that he had to go back to Norway. Uh, crucially, they then said that he didn't go to Norway. Yes, and that it was just an excuse because he didn't want to go out. So they had a mock trial, and they said <laughs> the punishment for that would be he has to sing at the next karaoke. I would love to watch That's a Liverpool all... mock trial. What the yeah, hell? me <laughs> too. Put on Who the was Judge Judy? Do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I imagine it like the the communist show trials of the ni- of nineteen thirty six, just sort of really, really intense and too much. No, I reckon more like Judge Rinder. Oh, oh yeah, lovely Judge yeah, Rinder yeah, yeah, with yeah. a with a gavel, an yeah, incongruous yeah, yeah. gavel. Yeah. Can, have they got like? Now. Can they like you know issue more serious punishment like imprisonment or like <laughs> death? <laughs> in, a, in a way, yeah. John. Well, maybe one of the punishments that they rejected was being beaten with a golf club. <laughs> so. <laughs> what Stefan Onshow suggested. Was he still there at Liverpool at that time, James? <laughs> Stefan Onshow? Oh, I think he was just, okay, yeah. Okay. He left around that time. But, crucially, in Craig Bellamy's uh, account, he implies that it's the Christmas party 2006 that John Anarisa misses. The most recent Christmas party, as it were. But, John Anarisa was at that Christmas party. I can, co- I can categorically Whoa. prove, because, as we know... In uh, in fact, in Yotzi Dudek's book, where they talk about the Christmas party 2006, where Yotzi Dudek was at the party and he had his helmet stolen by Craig Bellamy, his Darth Vader helmet. Yes. Um, dramatic reading. But the dramatic reading of that period, go look it up. It's a great, great episode. The detail that John Anarisa goes into on the Christmas party. A number of clubs have turned their Christmas parties into fancy dress balls, all to make the festivities something other than a booze up. Craig Bellamy came dressed as a, as a psychopathic joker, I remember. That is accurate. If if you listen to our dramatic reading, that is an accurate thing that he came dressed is it? as. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is just an embarrassing detail. John Anarisa had found a Shrek costume online. Great. Luis <laughs> <laughs> Garcia came as a pimp. Stephen Gerrard was a punk, and Robbie Fowler was Saddam Hussein. Peter Crouch came as a par- parrot, as Jermaine Pennant yep. mentions in his book. Yep. Yerzy Dudek was Darth Vader. Accurate. Daniel Agger was Elvis, Dirk Kout was Superman, Jamie Carragher, Spider-Man, Sammy Hippio was Zorro. Zorro. <laughs> a huge amount of detail from John Arisa. Yes. He was at the party. No, that to me, if I went to a fancy dress party a few years ago, I would not remember how that many of my mm. friends' costumes. I think someone's seen some photos, doth protest too much. Did he say what he went as? He said Shrek. he went to Shrek. Oh, well, he, well oh, the Shrek. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, technically, he, he didn't. Found he, sa- it online. he found it online. Maybe he just got it. And then didn't- <laughs> basically, I haven't found um, fancy dress photos from this. Um, well, do you know what's this. a real if, shame? If we can find it. Maybe that was what was on Jersey's camera. 
which <gasps> we will get to later. We very Whoa. much will get to Jersey cha- cameras yeah, uh, later. The idea- Who is exactly. it who dressed up as someone from a horror film? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was Pepper Rainer, but not mentioned here. <laughs> right, so. Interesting. <laughs> the idea of um, John Arisa dressed as Shrek being beaten by Craig Bellamy the golf cart <laughs> is one of the funniest images. Dressed as a psychopathic <laughs> joker with <laughs> with Darth Vader's helmet I, on his head. I know different days, but um, yeah. Well, is it because Craig Bellamy was only at Liverpool one season that time, I think, wasn't it? 06, 07. Yeah. So it would have been exactly. the only party so he could have gone to. So it has to be that party. We know that it's that party. Unless he went for some reason when he was playing for Blackburn. Yeah. <laughs> just turned up. <laughs> just went so uh, let's go into a slightly more detail about the attack itself. Uh, in Again, we'll, we'll do Jermaine Pennant's version first because it's wrong. Um, uh, in Japan, Jermaine Pennant's version, he says that Craig Bellamy was let in uh, and that Risa was begging him to stop. It was just a joke, he shouts. Is that right, James Belgian? Yeah, that's right, yeah. In Steven Gerrard's version, he has no detail on what happened. Yeah, none at all. It's, he, he just he's, he plays it down. It's very, very short, Stevie's recollection of things. Still what, banging on about the, the Little Shul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none of the guys from Little Shul were there. If they were, <laughs> I'd have beaten them with a golf club. <laughs> um, what, what does he say exactly, Steven Gerrard? The suspense. He's finding the actual attack. It was a great night. I did notice a bit of handbags between John Anarisa and Craig Bellamy over the karaoke, which led to a bigger incident later on when Bellamy hit Risa with a golf club. But the incident was never as bad as the media made out. That's it. That's literally all he says. So, Yertsy Dudek's version, how does, how does he recollect it there, Tash? Because interestingly, you have to remember that none of these people are involved. Yeah, he has a slightly different um, stance on it because... Do any of you remember like his evening? Because it was slightly different to everyone else's. So he Baby. left he left his camera, as I mentioned earlier, in the bar. Mm. So when they all left, after they'd had a little bit of a scuffle in the karaoke restaurant, he'd left his camera and he didn't want, he specifically says, I did not want the photos on this camera getting into the wrong hands. Which leads oh, yeah. me to believe there was something interesting on there. Um, so he tries to get back into the bar. They won't let him in because he was vaguely involved in this scuffle. So he gets sent back to the hotel. A few hours later, he says this. Bellamy and Finnan were sharing the apartment next to myself. When we returned from the restaurant, Craig was still fuming at Ginge, taking the piss out of him. And according to what Finnan told me, was shouting, I'll fucking kill him. This isn't over. Fuck it. I'm going to sort him out. Which apartment is he in? Finnan didn't want to tell him, but Bella's texted Aga, who was sharing with Ginge, to find out which room they were staying in before walking over to his golf bag to make a club selection. Which one should I use, Finney? He said, like he was talking to his caddy. Steve thought he was joking and said, he's about 150 metres away, so a seven iron should do the best job. When Craig pulled out the seven iron and stormed out of the room with it, I think we feared the worst. We weren't alone in the resort and a German couple who had kids with them thought they saw a maniac armed with a golf club. So they called the police. But they didn't arrive. Yeah. They didn't arrive until after Craig had walked into Reese's apartment, whacked whacked his backside with the seven iron and hurled a volume of abuse at him. He then went back to his apartment and joined for a party. That is Dudek's account. Yes. That's Uh, thorough. That's a thorough account. One thing I will say about that. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very thorough, and apparently it comes from Steve Finnan. Um, I will say that Steve Finnan's joke about uh, he's about 150 <laughs> yards away 
is top class. stupidly, stupidly good. <laughs> top class, top class joke. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, it is. Which yes. does also imply that all of this information does come from Steve Finnan. Mm-hmm. Because yes. that joke's too good. To make but, up on the spot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's so good that Jersey Jack um, remembered it and put it in his own autobiography. Well, exactly. but it was a big night for Jersey because... It goes on. The story continues. I know we're just talking about the attack right now, but he will remember it very vividly because it goes on. And as the police turn up because they've heard about this scandal, they spot Yerzy going back to his room and they clock him from when he was arguing with the security guard earlier and arrest him and think that he's the troublemaker. So he gets taken mm. to the cells and they think they've got their man. This is a crucial aspect of the whole timeline. It's where yes. Craig Bellamy's argument slightly falls down. Now, we're going to get into Craig Bellamy's version, uh, Detective Inspector James Bug. Um, ha- can, we, can we get a little, a little account of, what, of how he sees it? Yeah, so yeah, he texts Daniel Agger. Uh, he was, he was quite, quite happily gives him the room number because Agger's out drinking, I think, at the time. He doesn't, doesn't really know what's going on, I don't think, necessarily. So I think we can... I don't think Agar wants to see Risa get whacked with a golf club necessarily. <laughs> I think we can necessarily. <laughs> he might do. Might do. They maybe who knows what Risa and what was going on in Risa and Agar's room share. <laughs> Could have been coming to him. Um, but yeah, he goes off with Steve Finnan. That joke's not in this book. So Craig Bellamy either oh. doesn't want to give Steve Finnan credit for it or <laughs> um, so he, he gets an eight iron, takes a few practice swings with it. Uh, Finnan tried to stop him again, but I was determined. He does. He also includes a lot of the swearing and calling Risa ginger, which comes up in um, Risa's book. So he's he's very honest about all that. Um, he marches off to try and find this. Um, Steve Finnan gave up trying to stop him and goes, "I've got to see this." So he just follows, and then he recounts how Joanna Risa had been winding up in training as well. So it really been building for Craig Bellamy. He tries to get through the door. You want me to carry on this bit? Yeah, I mean the 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 actual the actual hit itself is the crucial. Oh right, yes. So um, he tries to get in. Uh, no answer on the door. He knocks. Then he realises the door's open. He gets in. Uh, Reese's coward in the corner because it's too bright for him. Goes, oh my eyes! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my little eyes! He was facing away from me and carrying his eyes with his hands because the light had been switched on. I just whacked him across the backside with the club. You couldn't really call it a swing. It was just a thwack, really. Uh, whatever thwack means. Um, if I'd taken a proper swing, I would have hit the ceiling with my back lift. We're going to go into that later. Uh, that's good because I think there's something important there. I hope you've got some photo evidence of this room. Um, Finney, by the way, was hiding behind the door at that point. Don't know why. Ginge panicked. He curled up in a ball with a blanket. You ever speak to me like that again in front of people? I told him I'll wrap this round your head. I didn't mean it like that, said Risa. Yes, you effing did, I barked him. No, I didn't, he insisted. Yes, you did. That's a couple of times you pulled that effing stunt on me and it won't be happening anymore. And he starts warming to his theme and really starts enjoying it. Gets really it, like, into it. Swirling his golf club around like a bat on, like he's uh, in a um, casino or something like that with a baseball bat scene. <laughs> I was uh, I was warming to my theme now. I threatened him a few times. If you've got a problem with any of this, come and see me tomorrow morning. Don't go moaning about it. And that's it. We now, we need John and Arisa's, mm-hmm. uh What happens story. there? Because okay. in all of these stories, I would say, in Pennant, in, um, in not Gerard because he doesn't talk about it, in Dudek and in Bellamy, crucially, uh, Risa is portrayed as a coward. He's portrayed as a little, as a guy cowering in the corner. Yeah. This is how Risa sees it. Soon I could see him. Craig Bellamy at the foot of my bed with a golf club in his hands. The golf club was one of his own. He must have grabbed it from his room. He did. 
Steve Finnan, who shared a room with him, was there too, but he just stood there. Bellamy raises the club over his head and swung as hard as he could. He tried to hit my shins, which most likely would have ended my career, but I managed to pull my leg away in time. I jumped out of bed, pulled off the sheet, and held it between us like I was some kind of half-awake matador. Bellamy sputtered. Nobody disrespects me in front of the lads. He was completely gone. I didn't know if he was just drunk or if he had taken something else. That is a big accusation. Whoa. John Hanna. There's a John Hanna research accusation there. He's the only person who suggests that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry. (laughs) I know who I am. I don't care if I go to jail. My kids have enough money for school and everything. I don't (laughs) care. I'll fucking do you. I can't imagine Craig Bellamy saying every single one of those words. He raised the club and swung again. This time he connected. Full force on my hip. I was so pumped with adrenaline that I didn't feel the pain, but he hit me hard. It was an iron. Number four, I think. Why was Risa pumped with adrenaline? I mean, lying in bed and co- well, covering he's his got, eyes because it, it was dark. James, he's got a man th- th- like, <laughs> holding a, a golf club down on him. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, yeah, fine. The next I'm, blow I'm smashed him into half my thigh. Still. I, well, this is the thing. is I, I think he's saying that he was awake and, and with it. Um, I tried to hold up the sheet, but he continued to strike. He could seriously injure me. At the same time, I knew I could take Bellamy if I needed to. I was bigger and stronger. Finn stood by the door. Maybe he was there to stop Bellamy if it got too bad, but he was short and skinny. He wouldn't have stood a chance once I'd made my mind up. So John Anarisa there saying that he could take on Craig Bellamy and Steve Finn. <laughs> but he says that he didn't want to be remembered as the guy who beat up a teammate. He's not much of a fighter. fighter. It's not his style. But he was under pressure. I tried to calm him down. Put down the club and let's fight with our fists. Put down the club and let's sort <laughs> things out the old-fashioned way. Come on, a proper fight! Craig Bellamy stood there and glowed at me for a while. Then he said, tomorrow at nine o'clock, we'll meet and finish this. The hell of bleachers, babe. Well, this is the thing, is that, that John and Arisa is implying that actually there was a lot you know the, yeah this this is a proper fight that they're gonna have the next day well that is a lot more violent than i assumed from oh he whacked him on the backside yeah you know? mm-hmm. which i think that's where we have to talk about it now how hard did craig bellamy hit him well according to my book he didn't lift the, the club big enough because we'd know whether he if, if, if he did a proper swing and tash you play golf you can yeah. you can to do a proper swing, you do have to get the club over your head. You have to, you have to lean back. Yeah, you're talking. You're shoulder. talking a good. What's that angle there? Yeah, I'm hoping Jack's. I'm hoping Jack's accounted in Bellamy's height. He's quite a short guy, and the height of the ceiling. Guys, I am way ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> now, in Craig, as we know, in Craig Bellamy's account, he says that if he was going to swing that high and that hard, he would have hit the ceiling. So how yeah. big exactly was the room? Now, first of all, I would say that most footballers' hotels are probably quite lavish, quite high ceilings. But yeah. crucially, in Stephen Gerrard's book, he mentions that the rooms were looked good online, but when you actually got there, were quite shabby. Mm. That's like the Shrek, uh, it's like the Shrek costume that recently. It's bought. like, <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> ill-fitting. The wish I didn't wear online. it in the end. <laughs> and green, and there's loads of donkeys in them. <laughs> But that is a slight confusion because in Yertsy Dudek's book, a man who is famously meticulous on hotels, as we know, having read Mm. his book where he talked a lot about the fact that he couldn't close his door in Athens uh, when he was going to the toilet so that Pepper Rayner had to watch him on the toilet (laughs) because they couldn't close the bathroom door. 
Jersey Dudek does not mention the size of the hotel. So, we can assume that it wasn't a terrible, necessarily, small hotel. And that Gerard's the... got high standards. Well, this is the question. I think Gerard might have quite high standards. Looking mm. at the online reviews, where, as I say, Barrington's has since shut down. Um, I have a review of Barrington's, which I can just tell you about now very quickly. Uh, the room was not very clean. Dust and dead insects were almost everywhere. So that's the kind of hotel that we're talking about here at Barrington's. But crucially, even in the bad reviews, size is never a problem. Here's another review that says good sized rooms. Even in poor reviews, the room was excellent in size with all facilities that we required. So we can assume that it's a relatively good sized room. But I know what you're thinking, James Bowser, and you're thinking that's not good enough. We need actual comprehensive proof. Well, I have found... <laughs> A photo of one of the rooms at the Barrington. No way. No way. Again, a hotel that was shut down in 2015. I'm not entirely sure how I've done it. <laughs> I have found it. This is Tash levels of digging. I Very know. Impressive. Important to note, though, it is not an executive-sized room, which I think we can assume all of the, um, the Liverpool players would have been staying in. It's a double room. What? But I would argue a double room would have lower, if not higher, ceilings than a fancy liverpool style room right yeah probably yeah ceiling height is probably not going to fluctuate that much is it yeah it'd be more yeah. like ground space that would fluctuate exactly so uh we can sort of work out the site height of the ceiling based on the um based on the yeah. photo uh so a st- it almost certainly won't be smaller <laughs> so a standard unless, bed unless height, they're playing a prank on bella that's true <laughs> this certain <laughs> like, section like star wars style crushing him <laughs> Getting smaller and smaller all the time. Uh, it looks like there's a standard bed, which is six centimeters off the ground. The bed comes up to about a quarter to a fifth of the way up the wall, putting the ceiling at its lowest at 2.4 meters and at its highest at three meters. Now, we need to work out Craig Bellamy's wingspan and how high he would have to uh, swing a golf club in order for this to make sense. So, Craig Bellamy is 175 centimeters tall. So, by Googling yeah. things like how big can a 170 centimeter man reach and wingspan of a 175 centimeter man and how far down the body are the arms <laughs> i have determined that craig bellamy's arms would have reached a maximum of 218.75 centimeters into the air 218 218.5 that's a very add on that's a very accurate i look i'm nothing not meticulous that's true we've got to Add on a standard seven iron golf club because averaging it out it seems most people say it's a seven iron. Some people say it's a four iron. Uh, Jermaine Pennant probably says it's a putter. <laughs> so if you add that on, it is 245.25 centimeters. I'll be so, ask a question. Sorry, Jack. Is he uh, on the bed? I always assumed he jumped on the bed. No. Is that de- is that detail anywhere? Sorry, I, I don't think everything. it is. I assumed he was standing. Well, I, assume- I thought I assumed he was on the floor. Well, I, I always thought he jumped. In my mind, he like crazed, like jumps on the floor, like um, uh, Willem Dafoe in, as the Green Goblin, like <laughs> crouching style <laughs> on wow. John bed, swings back and whacks him. That's what I imagine. So potentially, because I think angle-wise, you probably want to be on the bed to get a good contact. Because better- if you're holding a golf club, you want to swing it. And if you're on the ground, you're only going to hit something on the ground. Uh, but my question then with is... With a profitable string. My question then is, in Reese's account, he says that he aims for the shins first. Would you aim for the shins if you're crouching on the bed? I would probably say no. 
you were aiming for the torso at that point, aren't you? Also, you really want you really want a solid ground when you're swinging. That's true. So I would I assumed like Tash that you're doing it while standing. You're aiming for the torso or you're aiming for the shins yeah. while standing, and then if Risa jumps off the bed, obviously you're not going to be Risa's not going to be jumping onto the bed or so off the bed, and then Craig Bellamy is still on the bed, right? No, I don't know. Basically, <laughs> the problem with this is the photos are quite vague and that i would put the the ceiling at its lowest at 240 and its highest at 300 and craig bellamy needs to swing 245 centimeters in order to get a full height so if he's 175 centimeters he's about 5a which is the same height as me if i was swinging a golf club Oh, I, I wouldn't. No, there's no way. I, there's you no way you could get. No, yeah, you would. I'd massively hit the ceiling. You'd hit the ceiling. Yeah, because uh, at the top of Absolutely. the at the top of the swing, you do hold the club pretty much straight up. But it doesn't. Yeah, guys, I'm starting to think that Craig Bellamy might be telling the truth. Mm. Uh, Whoa! See the thing, you can hold a golf club lower down and still he cause says, some serious damage. He, he says above his head. Yeah. I think he's holding it like a golf club. If we're if we're going on Reese's account, yeah. And on that bombshell, it's time for an ad break. <laughs> um, our sponsors today are Mailchimp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not. It's someone else, probably. Hi, we're Football Book Club podcast, and we need your support now. Let's let's drop the appeal music. Hi everyone, James here, and I just want to tell you about the brand new Football Book Club Club, which you can join to receive bonus weekly episodes, access to exclusive member events, and your very own Football Book Club book book bookmark, all for the same price as a used copy of Darren Huckabee's 2007 book, Hux. So if you enjoy the podcast and need to hear more afterwards, head to patreon.com forward slash football book club. Enjoy the episode. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Grongy McGuire, and this is Chantelle for Dooch and Pete. Hello. Bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. I'm loving the premise of this podcast. I think this is what we all need to be talking about at the moment. Nobody can beat the Beckhams in terms of unions. No one in the world. Everything about the Beckhams is insane. This is the most fun we've ever had. (laughs) I feel like I'm literally 12 again. My mum calling me in for dinner and I'm being like, no. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Welcome back to uh, Golf Clubs in the Night, a <laughs> football book club investigation into what happened in Vail de Libo. Uh, I'm still joined by Tash Frisco. Hello. Um, James Balgen. Hello, thank you. Uh, and special guest, James Buck. I don't like being lost. I don't like being lost. <laughs> I don't like that at all. How do you like that? You like that? I'm <laughs> always lost. Every time. <laughs> that is true, actually. You time. are usually lost. I do Unless we've got a special guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what it's like being given the jokey one for the quiz? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't like it. I Welcome don't like it. to my world. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk now a little bit about uh, Rafa Benitez's reaction, the man at the centre of all of this. Yeah. Uh, and we're also going to talk a little bit more about Yotsi Dudek. Um, now, in John Arne Reese's version of what happened after the attack, he calls the doctor because he's badly injured. His thigh is already turning black and blue. Uh, the doctor immediately calls Rafa Benitez. And Risa says, crucially, he doesn't know if he's been up or if he's been waiting for the players. Now, this is actually a pretty big debate in throughout the whole of accounts. What is Rafa Benitez doing at this point and what actually wakes him up? Uh, so I think actually I'm going to start with uh, James Bug because Ooh. I think there's something interesting about what Craig Bellamy says. Mm-hmm. When Craig Bellamy hears that Rafa Benitez is here, uh, he goes downstairs to his lounge room where he is confronted by Rafa Benitez, who doesn't seem that shocked, uh, and says, he seems to say things like, oh, you know, did you hit John and Arisa? And it sounds like he's got more on his plate. And he says that later on, he finds out that Rafa Benitez has been woken up at four in the morning by news that uh, Yotzi Dudek has been arrested. Yes. Yeah, and my... that he's had, to, he's had to go and bail him out. I can confirm. Now, yes. this is a a crucial question within the whole timeline. What is Rafa Benitez doing 
And what is he actually most bothered about? Is it the curfew? Is it the Risa attack? Is it Dudek? And which happens first as a result? Hmm. Okay. Do you because know? in in why well, I, I mean we're gonna work it out now. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. In Craig Bellamy's version, as we say, uh wait, I mean just give us give us a flavor of exactly what how Rafa Benitez seems. Yeah, so uh Bellamy is having a he's having a pretty rowdy party in their room. Uh he goes out some he go he goes to bed. Uh the gaffer and Paco is that his assistant, James? Mm-hmm. At the time? Yeah, Paco Ayesteran, I think it is. Okay, they're downstairs. Uh, oh shit, I thought there are a whole number of reasons why they might be here, says Bellamy himself. Uh, I went downstairs, not a pretty picture, Rafa and Paco were sitting on a sofa, but they had to pull up right themselves because they've been causing trouble. Rafa, the most ordered controlling man I knew, surrounded by chaos by a scene that screamed out loss of control, there were plates and lampshades everywhere. Rafa looked at me and told me to put some shoes on before I cut my feet on some debris. <laughs> uh, so the Barrington don't give out slippers either. I guess that's that was, yeah, yeah huge. I mean, yeah, that, that, to, to, you have to tread on the dead insects yourself. <laughs> yeah, <that's bad. laughs> John Anarisa's come into the room to say you attacked him at the golf club. I wouldn't say I attacked him exactly. I said I gave him my version. They were quite, they weren't quite as angry as I thought they'd be. They told me I've been stupid, um, but it, he wasn't that fussed because it turned out he had quite a night himself. He said he'd been woken at four a.m. by a phone call telling him that Yurtsudek, who was our reserve keeper by then, who was being held at a local police station, and then they went now, to get breakfast. Tash, mm-hmm. does that square with what happened to Yurtsi? Kind of, but he's a little bit cloudy on what happens first because he's in a police cell, so he's not entirely sure. But the way that he describes it is um, they arrived back to the um, apartments a little bit late and he was about to go to bed, but he has the wise idea that earlier on he might have been a little bit of a dick to the security guard when he was trying to get his camera back. So being the lovely man that we know he is, he goes back to the restaurant, and as he's leaving the hotel, the police that have been called, because there's a golf club-wielding man on campus, arrest him then. So that suggests that the police come quite soon after the golf club incident mm. this is the question yeah Yurtsi dudek is arrested because he is mistaken apparently yes. for craig bellamy so craig he, well bellamy, he's just known they just see him and know that he's a troublemaker and then when they get closer to him they realize that he's the guy that was being complained about for shouting at the security guard and they oh. assume that if he was the guy that was shouting at the security guard, he must also be the guy with the golf club. So the police, but this is the question, is the police have been alerted already by mm. what Craig Bellamy has done? Yes, by the German family who've seen him. Hold on, is, is Dudek still in prison and we're going to get him out with this or something? <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? <laughs> I mean, that would be a much better show, you're right. Yeah. If we had to call, like, yeah, inmate number three, two, one, Yurtsi Dudek. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, he gets taken by the police and then Rafa turns up a few hours later saying you know getting him out very calmly and actually says to him there was a misunderstanding i will sort this out go to your room and yes only actually finds out what happens the next morning which implies that in both of them in both craig bellamy and in yurtsy dudex one implies that the other person did the worst thing yes mm. correct as in craig bellamy is sure that the story will be yurtsy dudex has yes. had a big fight he thinks that he's got away with it and 
Yeah, you do that because real is is thought that the only reason that he is in trouble is because of Craig Bellamy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Th- that's but interesting. The next day, when Finnan explains the situation to the lads, they all look at him with sympathy and say, "So it was not your fault. Holy fuck, that's unbelievable. You had such bad luck. Everybody thought it was you." So that the, what that with the golf club? It's not really clarified. It just no. says. It, yeah, we so thought it was everybody you. thought it was you. Does that, that mean they weird. thought it was him with the golf club? Because yeah. that doesn't really sound like something Yersi would do. Hit someone well, with the golf club. Uh, I, crucially, yeah. again, John and Arisa has a bit about Yertsi in his book. After he's been attacked, he says, I checked the clock, almost three. A lot of things had happened that night. I didn't know most of it because I'd gone to bed early. But when I looked out of the window to see what all the racket was about, I saw the flashing lights of a police car and a keeper, Yertsi Dudek, being bundled into the back in handcuffs. He was singing and pounding on the roof of the car. That kind of behaviour isn't like him. He was singing? Mm. He was singing. What was he singing? He was very merry that evening, was he? Well, this is the other thing is that we can't trust A, he's concussed still from the train. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And B, uh he's very, very likely drunk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I suppose the question is, who do we believe? Do we believe that this is a story that was it was the Yurtsy thing was the bigger issue. The Yurtsy scuffle with the security card, that's what caused all the, the chaos. And that Craig Bellamy is an as a poor guy who got caught up in it or was the reason that there was so much chaos around Yotsi Dudek because the police had seen or someone had seen Craig Bellamy enter a room with a golf club well there's mm. something in Yersi's book that would suggest that Rafa knew which way round it was because he says Craig was labelled the nutter with the putter and <laughs> the rooms were left in a mess but it was no nowhere near as big a scandal as made out in the papers we left, which I think is, this is a bit strange, we left Liverpool merchandise with people at the resort to say sorry, as if they're going to want to remember this. Yeah. Um, and although a, I was innocent, yeah, although <laughs> I was innocent, I was punished by the club, as was Craig. I was fined two weeks' wages, Craig was fined four, which suggests they think that Craig's crime is doubly as bad as Yersey's. I This is the thing, is again, it's swung now for me. Mm. What I'm saying is that uh, in Craig Bellamy's version, he says it's not that big a deal and that Yerzy Dudek had a much worse night. I am saying that Yerzy Dudek only had a much worse night because of what mistaken. Craig Bellamy did. Yep, yep, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he was just on his way to apologise to this security guard, and as he was the big guy leaving the hotel, the police arrested him. The police are all, crucially the police are already there, which implies that Craig Bellamy's crime had been logged by other people. Craig Correct. Bellamy, who had crucially again said that he had done this little thwack, gone back to his room, and the the golf club wasn't talked about at all. Uh, no one really cared about it. It was just a little thing. Uh, we went and partied afterwards. Someone in the resort had seen him. Someone had seen him and was worried enough to call the police. Well, think about this. This is a golfing resort. If you see a man walking around with a golf club, it shouldn't be that alarming. So he must have been swinging. Ma- swinging yeah. and being and, real and, and this is also at like three o'clock in the morning. I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's way past tea off hours. That's way. I, I was, I, I was, but then it doesn't mean that Dudek didn't do something just as bad because it seems like no one really knows what Dudek did apart from Dudek. He's the only one who really recounts yeah. in depth what happened there. So they both could have been, you know, Dudek could have been being arrested You're for... innocent until proven guilty, James, I would say. Yeah, okay. And I'm, there I'm is, on that. at no point in the in the book is it implied that Yerzy Dudek has done anything as bad as his teammate with a golf club. In fact, the, the only person who actually confesses to anything is him. 
He says it himself. And he was saving the camera because there's something on the camera that he didn't want to get out. And I reckon it's got those Christmas party photos on it. Do you think it's got a picture where of Reese? We'll where they would like, see... You better not release those pictures. <laughs> or Reese is there dressed as Shrek and that's the proof. <laughs> that's the proof there. That if this, all of this, none of this was justified. If this episode doesn't uh, end with the f- you giving that camera, I'll be all right. So I think very quickly before before we wrap up and and talk about where our conclusions, we should talk about the aftermath itself. As Tash says, Yertsy Dudek uh, handed out Liverpool merchandise to everyone, which seems like a bizarre decision. <laughs> um, Jermaine Pennant says the, t- the 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 question of the apology is a big one. Uh, how sincere and how genuine was the apology? According to Craig Bellamy, he and Ginge were fine. Uh, we were talking about it when they were warming up that morning. Uh, Stephen Gerrard also says, as I'm sure James Balgen you would know, he says uh, Craig and Ginge shook hands and decided not to take it any further. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, Steve Gerrard wants to put it under the rug because all he cares about is that damn curfew. Uh, <laughs> Dudex says they were fine together and that it actually spurred them on to do better. Uh, Pennant, interesting fact here. Pennant says he tells the two of them to make up. Risa showed off his injuries at training, which mm-hmm. I think is a little bit. If you were trying to cover it up, you wouldn't do it. And he also says it was a bit salty. Now I know what you guys are thinking. Salty. We can't trust Jermaine Pennant. Salty. Mm. Oh right. The, yeah. As in, it was all their relationship, bit... not his runes. Like there wasn't salt on his. Yeah, they didn't taste. <laughs> yeah, I'm, with yeah, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Sorry, I got. I... That's a different video that I think Jermaine Pennant released much later. That's on what was on the camera, licking his salty wounds. Well, I just want to go into what John and Arisa thought about it. Um, oh, very interesting uh, fact also about John and Arisa. Well, we're going to talk about it now, I suppose. Uh, when Daniel Agger came back to the room and found out that John and Arisa had been attacked by Craig Bellamy, he apparently snapped and wanted to go fight Craig Bellamy. John and Arisa, in his book, at no point mentions that Agger was the one who gave Craig Bellamy the room number. Mm. I think Aga knew that he was the one who had pushed Craig or who had given Craig Bellamy access, and that anger is guilt. Yeah. Ooh. It's guilt, guys. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Um, but what I was going to say, what happened at, because, you know, in, in, in Reese's book, they make a mention of 9 a.m. the next day. Um, what happened at 9 a.m. the next day? Apparently, John on Arisa, he, he, he couldn't sleep the whole night. He got showered, examined the, the injuries in the mirror. Uh, at 9 o'clock, he left the room. Aga wanted to come with him. He found Bellamy's door and knocked. No answer. I knocked again. Still no sign of moving inside. Was that a sound? It was 9 o'clock. I was ready. I knocked again, but nobody opened. For 10 minutes, we waited outside. And Aga and I went to have breakfast. Later on... Bellamy showed up. He must have stayed as quiet as a mouse in his room while I stood outside his door. He didn't even glance at me. He grabbed some food and sat down. So, Reese is implying that Bellamy... It, it wasn't chummy. Bellamy was Well, not even wasn't chummy. There was supposed to be a fight to sort out this battle. At dawn. It was at dawn. On the yeah. Bellamy oh, yeah. chickened out of it. Yeah, but oh, Bellamy yeah. probably woke up with an absolutely strong king hangover and was like, What the mm-hmm. hell have I just done? Has Danny Lager got a book, Jack? Which we can turn to. Uh, I don't know. And I, I hope don't it's look called, back in I'm so, so sorry. Jo- yeah, <laughs> that is better. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to just you. say, I'm so sorry, John Anarisa. <laughs> now, uh, of course, a lot has been made, as we say, about the um, about the fact that it was all very chummy and all very happy. Risa tells a different story at breakfast. He says that he was angry because everyone was sniggering and laughing at him. He said, 
Plenty of us have red eyes and heavy heads. I didn't like that they just laughed about it. One of our teammates had attacked me and it could have ended my career. I mean, what happened to supporting each other? Why did nobody challenge him about it? But they must have thought this was a private matter between Bellamy and me. I suppose they were right. I would have probably done the same. I felt like <laughs> knocking him out. I mean, it doesn't sound like the nice, nice that you would hope mm. to be between John and Arisa and Craig Bellamy. Yeah, and you... I had no reason to believe otherwise, I guess. I did assume that it would just be, you know, these kinds... Of, I, I always thought it was like, you know, got it out of hand. The night got out of hand. Bellamy's a combustible character. Risa wound him up and he went a bit too far. But then the next day, Risa was probably like, you know what? I, I, it's fine. These things happen. I maybe did push him a little bit too much. This is how He went too far. It's always yeah. been implied in every other book. Every other book has implied that it was absolutely, you know, that they, that mm-hmm. they, they got on the next day. Yeah. And that, of course, brings us to one of the most controversial aspects, as mentioned by James Balgen earlier, the celebration. When mm. Liverpool score against Barcelona... In Barcelona, Craig Bellamy scores. He does a golf swing. Now, doesn't Risa score the other goal as well? Am mm-hmm. I right in thinking that? Risa does score the other goal yeah. set up by Risa's Craig Bellamy. Craig yeah. Bellamy, yeah. And Craig Bellamy says that this is one of the greatest nights of his life. And he says that this is an example of how Risa and him had put this incident behind him. Steven Gerrard talks about how it's an incident of, you know, Liverpool's spirit of us versus them. We're going to really, we're going to show the world what we're made of and show that, you know, that stupid story got out of hand. Uh, I think there's a little bit on Steven Gerrard, uh, James Balgen, where he talks about what he thought of the celebration. Have you got that bit there? He does say, doesn't he? He says he... F- he feels for him. Uh, Pennant says, although we shouldn't believe anything Pennant says, Pennant <laughs> says uh, he thought it was a bit harsh, the celebration, and he didn't see Risa celebrate with Bellamy. That's what Pennant says. That's crucial. Mm. Um, and Stevie says, uh, he celebrated with a golf swing. When I saw it, I had, to, I had to have a little chuckle. In all the pictures, I'm in the background coming into the celebration laughing. Inside, though, I had a thought for Ginger. He seemed okay about it, and in the dressing room afterwards, we all joked about it. That's what Stevie says. Mm, doesn't sound too happy about it. Well, well, he, well, well. James Bond. What did, um, what did Craig Bellamy think about it? What was his? Because uh, I know he felt like he had to almost like say that he was, you know, apologising for it. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So he aims an imaginary golf club down the ground. Some people are upset by that. They said it showed a lack of contrition. That wasn't true. It was just an expression of happiness mixed with a little mischief, <laughs> and a signal that there was more to me than bouts of bad behaviour. And then that's exactly. about it. And he also <laughs> says later on, uh, he says that after everything that happened the week before, after all the focus on us in the days leading up to the match, events had brought me and John Anarisa together. Well, I can now reveal exactly what John Anarisa thought of that celebration. Okay. Oh. Two minutes before the break, Craig Bellamy equalized. It was a fantastic feeling. We had now drawn level with Barcelona away. Bellamy celebrated by running towards the corner flag where he stopped and made a swing motion, like he was holding a golf club. I thought it was fucking disrespectful. Ooh. He'd attacked me with an iron. For me, it was more than just an amusing gag. The celebration also revealed the sincerity of his apology. And later on, when they're talking about how he's, you know, about the, the actual event itself, once John Arisa had scored, obviously we were euphoric, but that's exactly it. In a moment like that, you don't think. You're just beside yourself with joy. But what we proved, both Bellamy and myself, was that we had the ability to use adversity to succeed on the pitch. Speaking to press afterwards, I said, I think fate would have it that both of us scored. Bellamy and I have had some issues before the match, but we put those behind us when it really mattered. His celebration? I don't mind. Look, 
He's had a tough time too, and I realised that it meant a lot to him. I'm happy for him, and so is the team. So that's what he said after the match. Interesting. This is what he thinks now. Ooh. But we could never be friends. I <sighs> wanted to be the bigger man, but this was difficult to forgive. Wow, it really hurt him, this. It really mm-hmm. hurt him. When did mm-hmm. Reese's book come I... out? Because do you think he's read Reese's Bellamy's book? book? Reese's book came out in 2018. Yeah. Mm. Reese's book is a late book. He's had a lot of time to stew on it. I don't think we even mentioned. What's the name? What's the book called? It's called John and Arisa Running Man. And it's actually quite a sad book. There's quite a lot of really sad bits in it. Um, Reese's Pieces. Oh, yeah. Reese's Fallen to Pieces. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not saying this has got any bearing on the two, but when I was looking at the other autobiographies earlier, two newspapers serialized it. The Guardian serialized Reese's book. Mm. And the Daily Mail did Craig Bellamy's. This is the thing. You this know. is the thing. But Bellamy's not a Guardian kind of guy, is he? Well, no, but, but <laughs> maybe but he is. Actually, he's kind of a troubled. Goodfellas, exactly. Goodfellas was very much a troubled book. It was like yeah, it's a really good book. Honest, it's, you'd, it's really, good. really good. Book, but now yeah. I'm starting to worry. Now I'm starting to think that there was a little bit of it that wasn't it, true because it Reese feels extremely honest. The whole book, broken, but, yeah. But maybe he's hurt people in ways that he didn't really realize. And he does but, kind of admit mm, he, do, mm. he doesn't know sometimes when he when he hurts people in the past, and there's people who he's done he does, that. but he doesn't apologize to Risa. James, as a Liverpool fan, what's Craig Bellamy's golf swing like when he celebrates? Is it <laughs> has he got a high swing? I feel like it might have hit the ceiling uh, of the new cap. I think it was pretty big. <laughs> the top yeah. of the new cap. Mm. Why? Is it the yeah. I think it was pretty big wow. swing. The world's longest arms <laughs> hasn't even got a roof. That play hit the yeah, moon straight out. <laughs> So I've been going back and forth on this, and I'm, you know, not sure if it's who to believe, Craig or John Arna. Um, and I'm sort of now going back to John Arna, given how hurt he was, because I don't think, I feel like he was really seriously in pain because of it, and no one seemed to really notice. But there is, there's been one thing that I can't quite put my finger on. Something's been bothering me. And I I look back at the uh, the account that John Arisa gives, after, just after he says, I'm going to fucking kill you, ginger Whoa. Two times. It's this one here. Two times. I know. I, I, I want to get that explicit rating. <laughs> it says this. The other lads looked at us. Stephen Gerald was sitting there. So too were Jamie Carragher and Sammy Hippier. Bellamy shut up and I left with Hippier, who was just getting a little bit t- tipsy, and got a taxi back to the hotel. Something about that didn't seem right. It didn't quite add up to me. So I started to look at reports of the incident. I started to look at reports online. Uh, from the Guardian, there was one here, and it was talking more about how Benitez seemed was bothered about how it was a squad problem. It wasn't just about John Arisa. It wasn't just about Craig Bellamy. He seemed more bothered by the way his curfew had been disobeyed. He was angry at the whole squad. But then I realised he's not angry at the whole squad. Listen to this: more than twelve members of the travelling squad are facing sanction of some kind, with the manager infuriated that they betrayed his trust by staying out against his orders. That number does not include the centre-half, Jamie Carragher, who would return to the United Kingdom to attend a funeral on Thursday. And that's when it hit me. Carragher. Carragher wasn't there. He had flown to the United Kingdom earlier that day. But, but maybe the Guardian got it wrong, okay? That's what I thought. Maybe the Guardian got it wrong, but it's still bugging me. It's still... I still can't quite work it out. There's only one thing for it. I purchased Jamie Carragher's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is in black and white I search for Algarve no results I search for Portugal no results I search for Vale de Lobo no results 
so I have to find it manually. And this is what it says. I was lucky to be back on Merseyside when the incident on our Spanish getaway occurred. Carragher's not there. Carragher is so not there that he doesn't even get the the country right. It's yeah. Portugal, not yeah. Spain. Yeah. Reese has misremembered the night. In his head, he somehow managed to put a senior member of the squad who was out of the country in the bar. Oh my gosh. If it was an academy player or a rotational player, one would understand. But no, it's Jamie Carragher. It's one of the biggest players in Liverpool's history. Mm. Suddenly, his account where he had heroically fended off Bellamy's multiple blows where he'd banged down Craig Bellamy's door the next day as Bellamy cowered where he'd threatened to fight him like a man accounts that had not been corroborated by anyone else they look shaky wow wow can we trust John Arne Risa this has changed this has changed everything exactly I feel like we've been going back and forth and I I don't know what do you guys think where do you stand I now? knew his memory of that Christmas party was not accurate it's too there's no, we, it's too we, much. It's too much. We need um, Alan Hansen, memory man, as he as he was referred to in a. Was that was Alan Hansen? Did Liverpool ever man? play Barcelona? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it? Are you are you insinuating that he is not being truthful, or it's just that he's misremembering? I think that some of the details, the details, of course, the whole point of this podcast is about the details, and I would mm. say that when you suffer an incident like this at the hand of someone else, those details are burned into your memory. The fact that some of them are so wrong, so wrong, can we trust what he's saying? I'm not saying he's lying, just maybe mm-hmm. he's misremembered it. Who do you think is the most accurate of the ones he read? Jermaine Pennant. It's obviously Jermaine yeah. Pennant. <laughs> maybe Jermaine Pennant. But Jermaine Pennant also says that Sammy Hibbier killed a man with his bare hands, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> he didn't say that. He didn't say that. <clears throat> Well, we know we know what Jermaine Pennant killed with his bare hands. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, um, rest in peace. Um, I, if I'm honest, I don't know. I leave this as confused as I started it. I suppose I probably think Craig Bellamy, maybe, if anyone. But I believe John Arisa's hurt is genuine. Yeah. I believe that maybe the incident wasn't as violent or as brutal as John Onorisa says it was, but I also think that John Onorisa is seriously hurt by it in a way that the other Liverpool players don't appreciate. Yeah. I think that's where I, that's where I land. I think you could be right. I think you could be right. Uh, yeah. I think it doesn't really matter what happened because what I get from it is that Risa feels most let down by the fact that however it went down he didn't have the support that he needed from the club or his teammates or whoever. And the only person who supported him was Daniel Agger, the man who actually set everything into motion. The man who betrayed him. The man who betrayed the man him. Who betrayed him. Does Finnan have an autobiography? I don't think no, he I think does. He runs like a sewage plant company <laughs> or something now. He actually does. I think he's got a company with You are right, but I mean, he could, you could still write a book if you, write a, you run a sewage plant. No, he's too focused on that. Actually, Daniel Agger <laughs> also he's runs. He's the only one who was there, right? Yeah. And he was. Daniel Steve Agger, so Steve Finnan is the only one who can. But again, Steve Finnan yeah. didn't stop him. Maybe he feels guilt about that. <sighs> it's toughy. No, Daniel Agger owns a sewage company with his brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's the pull quote, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot more to this. I feel like we may never know 
the full story of what happened at Verdelova. But I think you're right. And and I don't I think as many the more footballers' autobiographies you look into, Jack, I think the more frustrated you're gonna get. I feel like we thought this was the one that was gonna clarify everything, but if anything, it's blown it even more wide open as to who It's was... vaguer and more confused. Shall I do my wrap up? Yes, please, yeah. Okay. Perhaps we'll never know what really happened in Vel de Lobo that night. The people of two thousand seven may have thought that we'd have time travel by now, the kind put forward in popular movie of the era, The Last Mimsy. But alas, it wasn't to be. (laughs) It was a movie, I looked it up about time travel. (laughs) Also, if we did have time travel, we'd probably use it for more important things, like stopping climate change, and or working out exactly what kind of skip Darren Huckabee was talking about when Nigel Worthington kicked that skip. The mind is a funny thing. It can turn trauma into moments of glory. It can make you ignore the pain of a friend to push a narrative that the media was out to get you, to create an us-versus-them mentality. It can make you remember people who weren't there. It can make you entirely fabricate a conversation with Steve Finnan if your name is Jermaine Pennant. (laughs) Will we ever know the truth? No. But isn't that how all of these mystery podcasts end? With a disappointing conclusion and a vague musing on the nature of reality? Yes. I've been Jack Bernhardt, and this has been... Football Book Club Special Investigations. Less Louis Theroux, more Bruno Cheroux. <laughs> <laughs> Good night and sorry. Thanks for listening to Football Book Club. It featured Jack Bernhardt, James Balgen, Natasha Frisco, and James Bug. It was created and produced by James Bug. We'll be back in a fortnight. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Fuzzy Book Club, Instagram at Football Book Club, and on Facebook. And for a 20-minute bonus episode on today's investigation, make sure you join the Football Book Club club on www.patreon.com forward slash football book club. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.